0: We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: Welcome to The Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone.
2: Welcome to the Catherine Sox Show. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am Catherine Sox and I am your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women's Network. And joining me this morning is, as always, my co-host, Lauren Beller. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm excellent. How are you today? I'm always fine, but I always panic before the show because I'm always madly IMing you ready for the show email. (laughs) Laura never answers my calls. I know you have a two-year-old. I should remember that. Like, you can't, you know... Fifteen minutes before the show is Fifteen like, minutes is a lot of time, yeah, Catherine. I know. Fifteen minutes is like an hour for That's you. That's exactly right. That's baby time. That's mommy time. That's exactly... It's two-year-old time. It's two-year-old time, so I have to forgive you for that. But anyway, great show today, as you know. I, am, have I
3: have to tell you, can I say that I am looking forward to this show more than any other show, and it's because I have so many clients that talk to me about this guilt issue, and I can't relate to it because I
2: don't walk around with it. All right, well, let's tell everybody about it, because the author, and actually she's the editor of this anthology, is Ruth Ellenson. And she wrote, she got together, I don't know, 25, 26 women who wrote little essays uh, about the modern Jewish girl's guide to guilt, and each one is very different. And I identified with lots of them, not all of them. Well, I'm Jewish, but you're half Jewish, I right? I am, Yeah. So you don't have any of the guilt? I really don't. I don't walk around with it. I have to say my mother did
3: a great job in this department. But she wasn't the Jewish one. She wasn't, which maybe <laughs> maybe that's why it's not such a big thing. You know, I'm not Jewish. I'm she's not Jewish and she's also not Catholic. But and she she's not either. What was she raised at? her Protestant, but it wasn't a big, big it wasn't very strong in her in her you know as she was growing up.
2: Protestants don't have all that guilt they stuff. They don't. I, I agree think, with you. Yeah, you're right. I think Catholics, the big is all my Catholic friends, We, I have my best friend actually since we were nine years old, Lauren, and she and I would sit at nine and ten years old sort of commiserating because uh-huh. there was some kind of reoccurring themes in Catholicism and Judaism which touched on the guilt stuff. Although I have to say my mother is a Reformed Jew and I didn't have a lot of the guilt either. Most of it came from my father who was more traditional Russian Jewish yep, old school. Yep, yep. Yeah, but some of the stuff is really funny, and it, some of it is—it's not the traditional kind of Jewish stuff, uh, guilt stuff that you would think about. But we'll wait till we have Ruth on it. Ask her questions, you know, jump in, because it's, because you say you have clients. Uh, Lauren is a business coach for those of you who are just joining us, and a life coach, so you do have women come into your practice. Oh, all the time, all the time. It's, it
3: comes up, matter of fact, I've thought of making it a module, and it's so not, like, it's so foreign to me, so I'm so excited to hear what she's got to say about this.
2: So are there, any the, are there any particular things that you keep coming up, like let's say women clients who are Jewish about, uh, you know, you're coaching them in their businesses? I mean, can you think of, or, or are they all very different?
3: Well, I think the overarching thing is that people tend not to take care of themselves because of guilt of taking care of others. So, so they know, don't put themselves, to ta- they don't take care of themselves out of guilt. And that to me just is backwards
2: so that's the mommy stuff or the mother or what you're supposed or to be the Jewish yeah, mother
3: it could be all, any it doesn't even matter what we're kind of taking care of whether it's kids whether it's husband whether it's you know employees but i'm finding that it's they put others before themselves and therefore they're because of guilt
2: I I Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> I I I'm cured. Uh let me just say that I'm <laughs> I'm divorced. I have a boyfriend. No one lives with me. I live in my big house all by myself. I do exactly what I want. And by the way, I'm on my way to Milan and Dubai this week. Look at you. Yeah. Oh so my goodness. Did I cure myself? I've are cured. You can write all, the the, cure, the book on the cure. It's all about Catherine. <laughs> so I
3: think not there's nothing the matter with that.
2: No. I I you know, it's I've I'm kind of. I'm really excited about Dubai because, I mean, I've been to Italy before. I've never been to Milan, but we're going to go to the opera, see Romeo and Juliet. But Dubai is going to be really something that's just totally foreign. I assume um, it's kind of like I think a kind of glitzy, gold, glittery Las Vegas. Except, I look forward to hearing about this. Yeah, I can email. I can call you. My cell phone works in uh, anywhere. Really? Yeah.
3: Well, they told me that about Costa Rica, and it didn't work.
2: Did you put it on the, on the right, you know, you have two set, well, I have two settings. One is Verizon, and then one is, it's GSM, and GSM usually works anywhere else. Oh, and, interesting.
3: so I called ahead of time, and they said, oh no, that particular area you should have no trouble with. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and so then you get there, and you can't communicate, yeah. No, I, I well, we'll see, but, but I'll try it. Anyway, we have to, the next, Dr. Nisa Goldberg, she is a physician, a woman, she's a woman and a physician for what, for women. And she has written a book called Doctor Nisa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health, which is also very cool. She's at NYU and she works specifically in the I guess she works what's the director of the new NYU's women's heart program. So this book is just for women, in terms of women's health, and she says that women have special needs we're a different breed definitely yeah, yeah. we know we know that, and so we need to be treated differently, and we react differently to our doctors, we communicate differently, they communicate differently with us, all of those kinds of things. I mean, we knew that, but there was never specifically i think a book out to tell us what to do and how to take care of ourselves yeah it's here it's here <laughs> dr Nisa Goldberg, so we uh we have quite a crew today anyway, so. Um, Tell me, so I'm going to Italy and uh, Dubai. What are you doing?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Recovering from the flu. Our whole family has had it. And um, no immediate plans for travel, although I'm keeping my eyes open on trying to get a ski trip in soon, get a little snow, and looking at getting back to New York shortly.
2: Well, I'm coming out to visit you in March. You know that. That's
3: right. Oh, I forgot. In between there, you're coming out to visit.
2: Yes, and it's the South by Southwest. This just happens to have happened. I mean, I didn't actually realize that South by Southwest, the big uh music and film, um what do you, conference? No, you wouldn't call it a conference. What is it? It's a um, festival. Festival. It's a huge festival huge, in huge. Austin, Texas. Yeah, and you're here for it. I'm here for it. My son's film ha- is, has been accepted there. That's big news. Yes, and so it's going to be on Friday. And I, Lauren, I got great tickets, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm by myself because nobody wants to be with me, and you can understand that. But so <laughs> I've got tickets to all these great events. So I said, well, maybe Lauren will go with me to one or two of them. I would love that. Would you? Absolutely. It's, okay, because it's a big opening dinner where all the filmmakers and all the, um, I guess, the music people are going to be at the Four Seasons, and I've got an extra ticket for that.
3: Oh, my goodness.
2: How about your, it? Your son got these for you? No, I had to pay for mine. <laughs> he goes, because he's, his is, he's part of the whole program. He, no. It's, even if you had to pay for them, you still got good tickets is what your point is, right?
3: Yes. Oh, yeah, and that's great they're tickets. They're to get. Like, some, people, some places are just sold out. You can't get tickets anymore, so that's great.
2: Yeah, and anybody thinking of going, if you're listening in Austin, folks, the hotel, well, if you're in Austin, you don't need a hotel, but anybody else who plans to go to this thing, all the hotels, at least online, it looked to me, most there of them were sold out, yeah. Yeah, I'll
3: be renting my rooms.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you can. <laughs> you know, for that stuff, I remember my cousin, you remember when they had the uh, Olympics in Atlanta? She lived in Atlanta, yeah, yeah, and everybody was renting out their rooms for thousands of dollars, I mean, enormous amounts of money. And if they had a big house, they could rent it out for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 for the amazing. Olympics. That's yeah, amazing. So you could do that. I mean, I, I don't could- know.
3: <laughs> I'm not sure it would get quite the uh, dollar amount that the Olympics are getting, but I do have to say, for people in the arts world, it's a
2: big deal here. Oh, I'm sure it draws a lot of well money to the city. I mean, Absolutely. money. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Well, I had gotten my reservations, you know, a couple months ago, so I was fine. But when I was online, it looked like you know everything was sold out, and probably restaurants and all that kind of stuff. But the all the um, the people who you know the big people who are running this thing, I, they. Two months ago or even earlier, they took over all the rooms at the Four Seasons in Austin. Yeah,
3: that's, it doesn't surprise which is not,
2: me. Yeah, which doesn't surprise me either. So anyway, but I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be exciting. So In a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, in a couple weeks when I come back from Dubai. Oh, I have to tell you this. Everyone says, so what are you packing? What are you packing? For Dubai? Mm-hmm, for anything, just for this trip. It's only 10 days, not that long. <laughs> Unpacking an overnight bag. Good for you. How about that?
3: Good for you. So you're going to buy all your clothes there?
2: I have plenty of clothes. I am small, and I'm shrinking daily, so that I <laughs> – <laughs> and these are warm clothes. Uh, You know, it's high 70s, 80s, and 60s at night because it's the desert, Not 60s uh-huh. in Milan now because I think it's kind of springish. It's like Baltimore. So you know how cotton clothes – I can get four or five skirts in one little suitcase. What do you need? Good for you. Yeah, a couple bras, a couple pants. Yeah, I love
3: that whole saying. You know, if you want to take a to pack light for for a journey, adventurous journey, or whatever, I forget what the saying is. But that's I would I think that's great. What do
2: you need really? You don't you know, need you that much, and you don't need the like keep packing and unpacking. And I really any if you're traveling, especially today, and with all the stuff you have to do and security and waiting in line, keep it simple. So I simple. Mean, yeah, and. I, <clears throat> Dubai is the shopping capital of the world. Yeah, they so actually like, have yeah. shopping week. So if you can't, unless you're some strange size, which I'm not, I can buy it there if I Absolutely. need it. Absolutely. So I, I'm yeah. So I'm taking an overnight bag. That's it. Good
3: for you. I you know I traveled the other day now obviously for a very short overnight trip, but I literally I rolled my clothes into a little you know like I rolled them. You know how you sometimes see them in the stores, all nicely rolled. I love that look. I rolled my clothes up and I put them in the tiniest little, like, wheelie duffel bag. And it was, I had no, I had a carry-on. I didn't even check my bags. And I just I kept it so simple. It's so much easier to travel simple.
2: because yeah, you don't have to think about it, and you don't have to you know, unpack and pack. Exactly, right, less simple.
3: to lose, and, and if I didn't, I forgot something, and I went and bought it. It was no big deal, and I got the cutest little black sneaker shoes. Oh, my goodness. You know, when you buy it, when you're traveling like that, you find different things. So black sneaker
2: shoes, like, like Keds black sneaker shoes, like low, low, high tops?
3: No, these are the cutest shoes, and I can't even tell you the brand because I don't know them at the moment, but they are like the cutest little, I got them in on um, Nordstrom's, and I never saw them before. They're like Keds, but they're black, and they have this little velcro thing, so when you're in the airport, you just slip off the Velcro, and boom, they go through, and then you slip them back on, and it's quick and easy, and so, the most comfortable shoes I've ever put on.
2: Good suggestion, because travel, Lauren, that's... A, you they're know, take,
3: the best travel shoes. Yeah. I, I could wear them. I wear them all the time now. Now that I'm home, I wear them for everything.
2: Well, wear them when I get there, and maybe I'll get a pair.
3: You should get a pair. I would. I totally would buy those for traveling. That kind of trip, perfect. Black, go with everything, you know?
2: And you're because I travel... Try to wear shoes. Obviously, I can slip on and off because you have to take your shoes off. And I've got my big boyfriend who just untying his shoes is taking 15 minutes and exactly. not really. And I get so impatient. I'm so impatient. You know, as I age, I should ask, ask Dr. Goldberg about this. I have less patience than I ever had. I do, I'm just sort of, I don't know where, maybe it's because. It's, Nature's. I don't need it anymore, so I don't have it anymore. It's like every man for himself. I just have no patience with Isn't that anyone. Isn't
3: And usually, it's the women that hold up the
2: line. So I think it's funny you don't, and he does. Oh, I never do. I'm the. And I also, it's traditionally. I'm the one who's always ready to go. I'm always waiting for him to go out. Ours is o- totally the opposite of, of uh, you know, usually couples. It's always, or they say anyway, that it's the woman that that, that holds things up. Like yeah,
3: to- usually. I think that's a good general statement, is but that- I totally can see you not doing
2: that no and uh, you know I don't look so good anymore anyway so what do I care I just get ready put on my clothes oh, and I'm ready to go that's not
3: true <laughs> you, are, you look like a million bucks every time I see you
2: love you for saying that now we're going to take a break we got 30 <laughs> seconds left Lauren Beller Catherine Zox you're listening to the Catherine Zox show I'm your social worker with the microphone Voice America Women's Network and coming up next is Ruth Ellenson she's the author of the Modern Jewish Girl's Guide
1: to Guilt
0: Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel.
4: Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors? How about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction have a chronic pain problem there is another way out tune in each thursday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern time for a new prescription for health with dr richard gracer on the voice
0: america health and wellness channel radio that talks with you not at you voice america women's radio network
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show on Voice America Women's Network. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox, and joining me is my co-host, And now joining us is Ruth Ellenson. She is the, uh, editor of the Modern Jewish Girls Guide to guilt the modern jewish girl's guide to guilt has been described as sure to strike a chord with any woman who's ever had a pang of conscience during what she doing what she wants or what her tradition expects of her whether it's the pressure of hearing a grandmother's biological clock start to tick or the horror of being outed as a lesbian at your mother's yiddish club there this is just hilarious i love this book welcome to the show nice to have you on ruth nice to be here thanks so much And I do want to say, because this is not the first and last time I'm going to be talking to you, you are going to be here in Albany, New York, on March 6th at the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York. We're having a community-wide event, and we welcome everyone, uh, where you will be signing if people have bought your book, and you'll sign the book, and we're going to have a a two-hour, a lovely party, and you're going to give a little talk about your book, and that will be Thursday, March 6th at 7.30 p.m. So, Okay, the Modern Jewish Girl's Guide to Guilt. Why did you decide to compile such a, 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 well, an anthology, I would call it, Yes,
5: years of experience, years of personal experience. Um, basically, I had uh, I had had lots of personal experiences where I felt like what my tradition expected of me and what I wanted for myself as an individual came into conflict, and I sort of wondered if I was the only person who felt this way, or if other people also sort of experienced that type of push and pull. So um, it came to me, the idea for the book came to me one day when I was sitting in church with my grandmother. I um, am the daughter of a rabbi, but my mother is a convert to Judaism. And every summer I would go back and visit my maternal grandmother, and, you know, if she knew the term nachas, which is uh, a Yiddish word for familial pride, um, she would have it. And what would she want to do? She would want to take her grandchild over to church and show me off. And I was sitting with her in church one day, and all of my expensive Jewish education kicked in, and I thought, you know what, I shouldn't be here. It's not appropriate for me as a Jew to be in church. And then, of course, my grandmother looked down and smiled at me, and I just felt paralyzed by guilt. I thought, which part of me wins here, the part of me that wants to be a good Jew or the part of me that loves my grandmother? And the truth is there's no answer to that question And so I was on a personal mission to find out if I was the only one who was locked into such battles or if other people also felt a similar type of, you know, uh, moment of guilt.
2: Well, it sounds like from all, and I read all the essays. Some of them made me, (laughs) and, you know, it's interesting, some I identified with, some I didn't, different kinds, you know, people, I think, Women are guilty about different kinds of things within the Jewish religion, obviously. Uh, Some of them I really laughed, and some of them I really cried. So um, let's talk about which one do you think that – tell us, the author, and which one did you identify with the most, or is there one that you identified with the most?
5: Sure. I mean, one of the – I'm so happy to hear that you had that reaction to the book, first of all, because – that's one of the great joys of an anthology is, you know, you have all these different essays and all these different voices. And I'll literally have people come up to me and say, I loved essays A, B, and C, but, you know, X, Y, and Z had nothing to do with me. And the next person will come up and say, X, Y, and Z are my life, and you know, but A, B, and C I didn't relate to at all. So I always think that's the purpose of an anthology, and I'm always really happy to hear when people have that reaction. Um, one that I certainly identified with was an essay called The House of Love and Bragging by Amy Bender, which is an essay about worrying about worrying enough. This <laughs> idea that you constantly, are, uh, you constantly worry about, about whether or not you have enough anxiety over everything that's good in your life. And that's certainly something that I related to. Um, for better, I related or worse. to that one also because I think there's that
2: part where you know if you're not worrying enough and you're not concerned enough, then things are going to go bad. You have to really, you know, constantly be vigilant, kind of thing. And if you're not, exactly. then then you have somehow you feel like you have control over it, even though you don't. Whatever exactly. it is,
5: it's a fantasy, yeah. but it's a powerful one. That the more you know. The more you're worried, the more you can protect your unhappiness, or the less you're worried, the more your impending doom is at hand. Um, and I really like how she relates that to the idea of being Jewish. And, um, you know, but the other great thing about that is it's an idea that really, I think, has universal appeal. One thing that I think is funny to note is my grandmother's, after the book came out, my grandmother's church group, chose it as their book club group and all loved it. It was very funny. They said that afterwards it could have been called, you know, the modern the modern Methodist girl's guide to guilt.
2: <laughs> I love that. I think another one that I really identified with, and I don't know if this is on the lighter side or not, but it was the Yom Kippur pedicure where, and I forgot, actually I forgot who the author was, obviously. You know Daphne who it is. Merkin. Okay, and she writes about how she decided, for whatever reason, she just ended up having a pedicure on Yom Kippur, which, for those of you who don't know, of course, is the holiest day of the year. And, suddenly, and the day, day of
5: Atonement, nonetheless. The
2: Day of Atonement, nonetheless. <laughs> I never had a pedicure but I when I was going through a stage of being like slightly overweight and too fat I actually did not go to temple because I felt like I was too fat to go and I didn't oh. want to get dressed up to go so I <laughs> I didn't and I felt so guilty but yeah and I and probably I that happened two or three times throughout my whole life I mean I'm a baby boomer baby boomer so there are a lot of high holy days right yes. and
5: wow well, and I'm sorry to hear that That's yeah um, it's I'm very sad isn't it? I'm sorry to hear that I didn't know that story as I was putting the book together, that would have okay. been perfect
2: <laughs> yeah it was it, it, But and it's true and, it, and, and and to tell you and it happened more than once but um what about the one and i'm I, I also identified with this one too, because uh, being a baby boomer, not having kids till I was in my thirties but married in my twenties, uh you write about the grandmother's biological clock or
5: right, that's a-, a great essay by a woman named Katie Riey. Whose mother is a famous feminist writer named Anne Rofe, and she talks about being, um, being, excuse me, rather shopping with her mother for gifts for a registry, and her mother bursts out crying in the middle of the registry, in the middle of the department store, and turns to her daughter who just turned thirty and says, "I don't want you to die alone." And of course, Katie's like, "Thanks for the vote of confidence, Mom. I really appreciate it." Um, and then it turns into her mother's. Her mother starts to wage this kind of public campaign against her, um, against you know why why she's so selfish that she hasn't gotten married yet and provided grandchildren for her poor mother. Yes. Um, so, and then of course, when she has a grandchild, her mother starts with, you know, "When are you having a second child? Only children, you know, it's it's wrong." Yes, and you giving examples
2: about how. Screwed up, only children are, and so it's really necessary. Like, it's kind of like never ending, but uh, yeah, trying to make you feel guilty because you won't provide grandchildren. But that's very, po- and all of these essays, Ruth, it's real powerful stuff. I mean, we can laugh and we can cry, but it really is. Those are powerful emotions, that Jewish guilt, that do dictate the way you live your life or raise your family.
5: Right. Well, you don't have guilt unless you love something a lot. Otherwise, you just kind of reject it out of hand, like this has nothing to do with you. But guilt, I think, speaks to a certain type of love and attachment. Um, I don't think you, guilt's a very powerful emotion, and it can show that you have a conscience about things. It's not always a bad emotion. Um, it can show a lot of attachment and love, and the idea that you know that you owe something – to an idea or to a purpose larger than yourself.
2: So you're saying well, that you know, it isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can become. If it becomes overriding, can it become or, overwhelming? Then it's not a good thing.
5: Right. I, I mean, think there's a big difference between guilt and shame. I think shame is guilt turned inwards, and I think that can become oppressive. Guilt, you know, I think can be sort of funny. You can laugh it off still. Um, so that would be the distinction that I would make.
2: Yeah, and I do know people, and unfortunately, uh, who do suffer from as you describe it, shame, and that's really taking it several steps further than just feeling guilty. Right. I guess feeling guilty can help you gain some, you know, be, be responsible or be a responsible person. The other thing is, and I think that you also address this in the book with the with the different authors. Is I mean, I come from a background of Reform Judaism and more conservative Judaism, and there's a difference between the two in terms of guilt.
5: Well, I think that can be true in terms of the amount of tradition you grow up with and how much you sort of think of yourself as an individual versus part of a community.
2: My mother never really tried to, I didn't feel it anyway, tried to make me feel guilty, whereas my father... Was more than traditional <laughs> Jewish mother who would be crying and saying, "Oh, you know, if you do that, you're gonna, you know, I, you're going to hurt me, and I'll feel bad." She never did that kind of stuff. So I of it was kind of like interesting. It was turned around. It was like that. My father was the the Jewish mother, and my mother was the more rational, kind of balanced personality.
5: Well, sure. I mean, it doesn't. Jewish mothers often get a bad rap and jewish fathers are just as prone to cause guilt and i actually am in the same boat with you my father i think was much more guilt-inducing to me than my mother was and so i certainly do not think that jewish mothers uh you know are the sole proprietors of guilt and i also think that guilt can come it can come from your parents but it can come from your community it can come from a teacher and the book i should mention is not a guide to feeling more guilty Um, and it also doesn't solve guilt it really just kind of explores it as an emotion and um, you know, hopefully, does so in a way that is both funny and and deep.
2: Yeah, it does both. It absolutely does. I just it's it's a, it's a it really is a fantastic book. Oh, Erica Zhang's daughter. Well, I mean, Erica Zhang's mother, of course, is my a little bit older than I am, but my generation. So it was interesting for me to see that you had a piece in by her. How did you two get connected?
5: Well, Molly, um, it's a great, Molly Jongfast is her name, and, you know, her mother, of course, wrote this cornerstone of the sexual revolution, um, Fear of Flying. So she as used to, I think, being approached by people asking her to write about her mother. But in my case, I think what I did was when I, when I met her, I met her in New York, and um, when I was talking to her about the book, I said, you know, this isn't so much about your mother, but rather your experiences of being her daughter. And I think that that sort of cinched it for her as opposed to just simply being, you know, kind of a biographical thing about her mom. In this case, it was Molly's experience as her daughter and Molly's experience in therapy as her daughter.
2: In and therapy at age four, she describes it. She's very funny. <laughs> she writes like her mother, the Zipless. And I actually can say the F word because we're on the Internet, but I won't. But she taught, I mean, she's, that, that was always the intro to her therapy session. She taught age four, age six, age, you know, all her different, right. she describes her relationships with all her different therapists. It's very, very funny.
5: Yeah, Molly yeah. is a great writer, and uh, and I'm so glad you enjoyed that piece. I think that piece is one of the funnier ones in the book.
2: Yeah. So, what has been the response, just generally in the Jewish community, let's say, to your to your anthology, to the Modern Jewish Girl's Guide to Guilt?
5: Well, I would say it's been rather positive. I mean, I've been uh, it's it won a National Jewish Book Award, which was very exciting. But you know, to my parents, it's still not a grandchild. So, I try to do <laughs> what I can. Close. with That <laughs> <laughs> it's close. So, it won a National Jewish Book Award. It made a couple of bestseller lists, which was also very exciting. And um, you know, it's done. It's it's done nicely. So clearly, there's an audience out there for Jewish women who are in conflict, and maybe other women who just simply relate to it.
2: And I recommend going to uh, www.guiltguide.com, and you can get more information. And you can purchase Ruth's book online, bookstores everywhere. And if you uh, want to see her or hear her talk and you're in the Albany area, part of the Jewish Federation of Northeastern New York, that's Thursday, March 6, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Can't wait to see you in person. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, we're, uh, well, we have to say goodbye because we do have 30, <laughs> 30 seconds. I was just about to go on, but I'll have to wait till March 6th and then I have other questions to ask Sounds you. Sounds
5: great. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Thanks.
2: Ruth Ellenson, editor of the Modern Jewish Girls Guide to Guild. I didn't want to let her go. You're listening to Catherine Sox with Lauren Beller on the Voice America Women's Network. Thanks for joining us this morning and we'll be back in a few minutes. Coming up next is Dr. Nyssa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health.
0: Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
3: Dad, can I ask
1: you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people, grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh, uh, uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call one 200 4005 A public service announcement brought to you by US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council
0: have issues parenting addictions disorders anxiety stress how do we expand on what's working and improve what's not let quantum leaps with beth wilson bring you a high energy approach to personal growth and creative life change listen every thursday at 4 p.m eastern time 1 p.m pacific time on voice america women's channel let beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need quantum leaps with beth wilson thursdays at 4 Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, here on Voice America Women's Channel. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network.
1: listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome
2: back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am your social worker with the microphone, Catherine Zox on Voice America Women's Network with my co-host Lauren Beller, and joining us this morning is Dr. Nisa Goldberg. She is the author of Dr. Nisa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health, and uh, Dr. Goldberg is also the medical director of New York University's Women's Heart Program. Dr. Nisa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health, women's bodies aren't just small versions of men's. They have different medical needs and different ways of relating to treatment, so they may not be getting the care that they need. So Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning.
6: Good morning. I'm excited to be here.
2: Great to have you, Dr. Goldberg. Okay. Real important. Your book is very important. Um, Why is it, and boy, I think you really hit the nail on the head, that uh, really traditionally, I think up until maybe a couple years ago, women have been treated exactly like men and our bodies have been viewed as just a smaller version of a man's body, which is not true.
6: It's not, and it's really interesting as I went through my medical training, every day the We would learn about the disease of the day and it would always be the example of a 165 pound man. The only time it was different was with pregnancy and childbirth. And yet, if women are the people that have babies, you have to understand that our physiology has to be different than men's. And it's not just related to our uteries and our uterus and ovaries. It happens to be
2: our overall general health. And don't you think doctor also, even with medication, I'm going to give you an example. I'm a, I'm a little lady, 5 feet tall, 110 pounds. I have a boyfriend, a life partner who's 6 foot 4, 200 plus pounds. They recommend, they, Oftentimes, physicians will recommend the same medication for him as for me. Not only is it male-female, but our bodies are so entirely different. Like, you know, take two aspirin. He needs to take four aspirin. I only need to take one. I mean, there's an example.
6: You hit the nail on the head because even I had the experience where a doctor gave me antibiotics for an infection, and they gave me the maximal dose of the antibiotics, and one day I felt dizzy and lightheaded, and the nurse working with me took my blood pressure, and it was 70 because it, it dropped my blood pressure. The dose was too high. So I knew it firsthand. Yes. And it's really interesting, because in my own practice, I tend to use lower dosages of medicines, because I get the good effects on of the medication on my patients. Yes. You know, I'm able to lower their blood pressure and cholesterol. So one woman went to another doctor for um, another condition, and he said, I can't believe that that dose is doing anything for
2: you. I said, well... Your blood pressure was 110 over 70. He had the numbers. Yeah, and I think that is really, and I think that happens. That That's kind of pervasive. I think it's a real important point to bring up because that's the other thing, and, and you're sort of adding to this, but, you know, it's um, they start, if you go to a male physician, I mean, I'm generalizing, obviously, but they start with, like, the biggest, bang for the buck rather than starting small, especially with a woman, and then building up. If it's not working, you can always add to it. But rather than starting with this, like, massive doses of medica- medication, which one doesn't necessarily need as a female, as a woman.
6: You know, I don't know where they started that because in medical school, they always taught us to start with the lowest effective dose. So we need to bring it back to the beginning of our training and do what's right for the patient and start with the lower
2: dose and add to it. Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about the book specifically because you have so many I mean, there's just so much to it. There's so much information. Now, why do you say, I mean, you start out women over 35. Why over 35? Well,
6: you know, before the age of 35, women get away with a lot. You know, they're busy taking care of their families, working outside the home, worrying about everyone else and really don't pay that much attention to their health and their diet and they don't exercise enough. And then when after 35, it's not so easy. You start to find out that you're gaining weight, you feel tired and weak and, and you, you just don't have the same energy that you used to. And after the age of 35, for instance, women gain weight. And as hormone levels start to go on, go down as you approach midlife, it makes us more resistant to the metabolism of carbohydrates and sugars. And so, eating all of those carbs that make us comfortable, like bread and white-floured foods and desserts, they get metabolized slower and often result in belly fat. So we really need to make some adjustments after the age of 35, and that's like decreasing the amount of sugar and carbohydrates in our diet and really substituting things like complex carbohydrates, whole grains, fruits and vegetables, and also to do aerobic exercise. And I also add to women, at the, after the age of, in our 30s, believe it or not, we start to lose bone strength, and we have more bone breakdown than we do build, building of bone, and you can start to prevent it in your 30s by doing weight-bearing exercise. That means standing on anything standing on your feet, so walking, running, dancing, even vacuuming, which is good for your heart and good for your bones. Most people are confused about what weight-bearing means. It means standing on your feet, so although swimming and bicycling are good for your heart, they're not weight-bearing exercise, and making sure you get enough calcium in your diet. Lots of foods contain calcium. You know, everybody knows low-fat dairy products. Many women may not be aware that even soy products have calcium. A cup of soy milk is 400 milligrams of calcium, so you're a third of the way to your daily calcium requirement of 1,200 milligrams a day. So,
2: Dr. Goldberg, you're saying that before, at 35, our bodies are more forgiving or we can they get away. They are more
6: forgiving. Yeah. You know, you find yourself, you can lose weight quicker. Um, you really could be a little bit freer with your diet, although I think it's better to start your habits early so that you just continu- can- continue them like
2: brushing your teeth. So what would you say to the women who are having babies after 35 or not even at 30, I had babies in my 30s and I was considered old, you know, in the 70s but, or in the 80s, but what about women now who are having babies in their, like, late 30s, early 40s, and all well, the stuff that's it, happening with their bodies, as you're saying, over 35, right. I don't want to use the word deteriorate, but... Uh, we change. Pro- yeah, we change. We change.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really important if a woman is considering having a baby over the age of 35, she, make, she, she should make sure that she's in optimum health. You know, as you get older and in your 40s, you start to see um, things like high cholesterol and high blood pressure and weight weight gain. And if you're gaining weight, that puts you at risk for diabetes. So it's really important to get an overall checkup and see where you are on the continuum of health and that you really practice good, healthy habits throughout your pregnancy
2: because that's not only going to help you but
6: it's also going to help
2: the baby. All right, so there are some added risks cuz I think somehow especially with women today and I know my friends and even the generation what gener- generation X or the younger generation, you know, they they we feel good, we look good and somehow on the outside it seems that everything's okay, but you know what our bodies still are aging, I guess. And, and so it's real important to address all those issues that you talk about in the book over over 35. Right, I mean
6: you can, you can obviously with the cosmetic surgery and cosmetics you can look younger. But you also have to remember to take care of the inside because you can actually stop the aging process if you, if you take good care of yourself. You know, I have patients of mine well into their 80s who are physically active and go hiking and are really having active healthy lives and stay out of the hospital. I see lots of women who aren't on medication and have never been to a hospital in their 70s and 80s. So it can be done, but you really need to practice the good health habits from the time you're young.
2: But what if you don't? Okay, let's say that's best case scenario and people are listening to the show and they're going to buy your book and the younger ones are going to have the advantage of being able to do or having the knowledge to do that. But what about ladies who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, maybe who haven't done that, but, I mean, they're still alive.
6: It's never too late. It's never too late. I mean, I, I actually have gotten women into healthy lifestyle programs, and not only that does that involve exercise and better eating habits, but also women who get into their 60s and are really stressed out, that we really to work on the management of stress and by identifying their support network because the more friends you have and even pet ownership helps you live
2: longer, healthier lives. Do you and that brings up the issue of I don't know to me anyway stress communication and and you also talk about how. Uh, it's really important for women to be able to communicate with their physicians, for instance. The communication back and forth, it goes both ways. Yeah, and, it's a relationship. <laughs> yes, yeah, a relationship. And I don't know that male physicians feel that way necessarily or have the same attitude say, as you do or many of the, the, the female physicians that I've, I've experienced. And I, I don't know if it's a male-female thing or uh, because you have the same training when you're in medical school. So uh, it Male physicians tend to be very, to me, objectify everything. Um, Is that a big generalization, or is it something? It's a generalization, but in
6: my heart, I really also see that. (laughs) I mean, I think that um, uh, some of my male colleagues are very number and procedure oriented, and what we really need to focus is on is is the communication aspect because. What happens is is if the woman is able to give you a good medical history, you can make 80, 85% of the diagnosis. The testing is only done to confirm or refuse the diagnosis. So with women that I take care of, I, I always prep them not only for my visit, but when they go to other doctors. And it's really important that you know what your goal is for the visit. What What is it that made you call for the appointment? Was it a new symptom? Are you tired? Are you short of breath? Are you having difficulty sleeping? Are you having symptoms that you think could be heart disease, chest discomfort, palpitations, rapid fluttering, or skipped heartbeats? Do you feel lightheaded or are you going to faint? These are some definite things that you should tell your doctor because that brings their attention to the most immediate problem you are having. With that said, you should also be prof- uh, Um, You should also be prepared because your doctor is going to ask you some questions about your life or should be asking you about your life, what your exercise habits are, um, do you live alone, do you have a lot of friends, how much alcohol you drink, are you a smoker. And don't be embarrassed to tell the doctor these things because this will help the doctor take care of your overall health. And I need to know how stressed my patients are because... If I need to prescribe a medication or want to start them on a, a, an exercise program, sometimes being too stressed out will only add to the stress if I give them one more thing to do. So I have to help them manage the stress so I can be successful at give, making them physically healthier.
2: And, Dr. Goldberg, I think that's so important. Because, and I be prepared is one of the things you just said. So I, it would seem to me that it would you know, behoove a patient when you go in to see your physician to actually have these things written down because if you only have 15 minutes and, you know, you do feel vulnerable once you get in there and you, you know, there is this time constraint. But if every, you really have pages of, of the questions that you want to ask and maybe some of the answers to what you think they're going to ask of you, it really, don't you think that's helpful?
6: It's helpful and I always give one extra hint to women I speak to. And that's to really get your questions in at the beginning of the examination, at the beginning of the consultation with the doctor. Don't wait because till
2: oh, by the way, when you're walking out the door, you drop no, the bomb. Oh, just a minute. the doctor
6: is focused on you. And actually, I do ask my patients for their questions ahead of time because that allows me to know where their head is at. Yeah, where the direction is
2: we're headed for a break, but we'll be right back because we have more questions for you. Dr. Nisa Goldberg, author of Dr. Nisa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health, and you're listening to Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone.
4: A healthy, attractive smile shows confidence and will give others a great first impression. Tune in to Dr. Chad for Smile Radio. If you have a question that you've always wanted to ask your dentist but were afraid to, Dr. Chad is here to help. Did you know there's a strong connection between oral health and general health and well-being overall? Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Smile Radio with Dr. Chad. Ladies, what are you willing to do to live the life of your dreams? Are you willing to start today? If your answer is yes, even if you are just mildly curious, you've got to tune in to Wise Divas with life coach and host Teresa Proctor each Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Start living your
0: wildest dream today.
2: Good morning, I'm Catherine Socks, your social worker with the microphone on the women's network. On we are now joining us is Dr. Nisa Goldberg and she is author of Dr. Nisa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health and she is also the medical director of New York University's Women's Heart program there i got it all out and before we took the break dr goldberg we were talking about um you know how healthy are you when you go to see your doctor make sure you write down all the questions that you have of him or her you know, focus the interview focus uh, the visit and i want to mention because in your book you actually have a uh, a quiz and is entitled how healthy are you what's your health iq so you can actually go through that i find that very helpful
6: I always find it helpful when women can actually see the questions and answer them and see for themselves where they stand on the continuum of
2: health. Yeah. And also, Dr. Goldberg, you know, we were talking about uh, communication. I find that sometimes, and I'm a social worker who has worked quite extensively in hospitals, worked with physicians. I've been a patient and I've also been a professional in the hospital, but I find sometimes that physicians make assumptions about their patients, and I think patients have to realize this. You know, when you walk in, uh, particularly, or I don't know if particularly if you're a woman, uh, you know, upper middle class women, well dressed, you speak well, you look great, uh, that sometimes they make assumptions that you're healthier than you are, and this is my own experience, and won't ask you questions because they make a, they don't ask you, do you drink, they don't ask you if you're taking drugs, those kinds of questions because they make assumptions that, well, this, you know, middle-aged lady, Uh, wouldn't do those kinds of things and then the patient is is afraid to say something or to offer the information on their own
6: I know and I had that experience when I was a doctor in training um, and I remember when I was an intern this woman was going to be discharged from the hospital and I went into her room in the morning and she was delirious and she was shaking and I called her doctor and I said to her doctor I don't think your your patient can't go home. She's delirious, and she looks like she's having alcohol withdrawal symptoms. And he said to me, Dr. Goldberg, you must be crazy. That woman is a lovely woman, and she doesn't drink. It ended up the patient didn't get discharged from the hospital, and I later found out that this woman's husband had died several weeks earlier, and her son was going through her checkbook and found that she was writing a lot of checks to the liquor store. But you see, that's what's so important about having, having an, a caring doctor who's going to focus on you and ask you all of, all aspects of your life. And also a doctor, you have to feel comfortable with that doctor because you're giving the doctor that information. But all of this information is going to help you live a healthier
2: life. Exactly, and I also find that's a great example, the one you mentioned about drinking. I think there are other examples, too, at least in my experience in working in the hospital as, as a social worker was issues of domestic violence AIDS, those kinds of things, making assumptions about people that they haven't had affairs or haven't slept with different people or might have some kind of a, you know, might have subjected themselves to AIDS. or, And, of course, domestic violence is a big issue. But all of those things come into play in terms of women's health and have to be addressed. And if you don't feel comfortable, if one doesn't feel comfortable or a woman doesn't with her physician, they'll never get treated or, you know, the issue is. right, and
6: then she needs to really find someone with whom she feels comfortable. And I also give examples in the book on how to find a doctor that you might feel comfortable with. For instance, you find the doctor that you're seeing that you feel the most comfortable with. Let's say you need to see a specialist. A nice thing to do is ask that doctor for a recommendation if you need to go to a specialist. Because I find in my own practice, I generally choose doctors who have similar practice manners to myself. You know, spend time with the patients, really take care of the whole woman, evaluate all of their medical records so that they have a good idea of other conditions that might affect the area that they're looking at. Um, another thing is to talk to your friends, your close friends, and get recommendations from them. I think the worst thing that people are forced to do these days are really to look on their the list from their insurance plans because you're basically picking a doctor that's just on your insurance plan.
2: Yeah, And I think you're right. I think most, or at least in my experience, even friends of mine, that's what they end up doing. You're so right, just picking it out of the book that, you know, where they're covered, you know, the the physician is covered on their insurance plan. So not a good idea to do that.
6: You know, one of the things that's interesting is many hospitals have – physician referral service numbers, and you can call in and by computer they can check the doctor and the insurance plans that they're in. So that might be a way that you can find the doctor you're looking for and actually know
2: if they're in your insurance plan. Yeah, that's another great idea. There's so many things in your book, I I think, that are very practical how-tos, which is what I like about it. and, and that's another, that's a very good example. You know, let, let's talk about some, we only have a few minutes left, but you actually even talk about, uh, you get into more things like taking care of your skin, your hair, your nails, those kinds of things, which are very, uh, those are women's issues as opposed to men, I think.
6: They are women's issues because as you approach midlife, you do have changes in your skin. You lose a lot of the padding in that's underneath your skin, the collagen. And what you need to do, um, and, and so what happens is, is many women I see in my practice as a cardiologist feel they're, like they're getting all these black and blue marks and are concerned. And that's because you have less padding. And although the black and blue marks are not going to hurt you, they, they are a little, they're not attractive. Um, and, and what I really tell women is to use creams to be very well hydrated. The other thing that damages your skin is certainly sun damage. And especially for women who smoke and go out in the sun, they have more wrinkles. Um and you know, you can prevent wrinkles by staying out of the sun and using sunscreen. With that said, because one of the ways you get vitamin D is by staying in the sun. If you're gonna cover up and stay and, and, and wear sunscreen, you're not gonna be getting enough vitamin D, so you might have to supplement. Your vitamin d So it's a
2: catch twenty two and another fact, I want you to verify this one and I, I just learned this recently that if you go out in the sun for say twenty minutes and you, you which is good for the vitamin D, that you ha- actually have to look you can't be wearing glasses the sun has to be go- be directly on in in your eyes is that true it has to uh, if you're wearing glasses and protecting you from the well, sun then you don't, don't absorb the vitamin D.
6: No, that's not really true. You okay. can you can be out of the sun. You you know you really should wear glasses in the sun because sun damage can actually increase your risk for cataracts.
2: Okay, so that's not true. Glad I asked you the question. The other thing is, and that you brought up that lack of collagen, and I think as a going through menopause, I, I, I experienced that and was actually terrified because you're so right, bumping into something and it, very. You know, just maybe bumping into a chair in the house, and it's very painful, and it hadn't been before. Wondering if there was something wrong with me, but you just, but you know, you just describe it. It's not that. That begins to happen. It's a natural process. So you do have to be more careful, let's say, as you go through menopause and afterwards, in terms of bruises and bumps and those kinds of things.
6: That's right. I mean, it's, we slow a little heal, uh, heal a little slower after menopause. So you might take a little longer to. To heal a kidney
2: or something like that. All right, so be careful, ladies. Anyway, we have 30 seconds left. We could go on and on, but I want to make sure that listeners do know you can purchase Dr. Nisa Goldberg's book online and at bookstores everywhere, Dr. Nisa Goldberg's Complete Guide to Women's Health. So nice having you on the show this morning. So always you.
6: great to talk to you.
2: Great, always great to talk to you. Have a great day. Thank you, you too. You're listening to The Catherine Sock Show on Voice America Women's Network. Thanks for joining us this morning with Lauren Beller. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.
1: We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.